And welcome back for another week. The number to call anytime to get hold of the or that's outside of show hours, of course, is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And we have Leor at employmenthour.com. And while you're surfing around, check out severancepegcalculator.com, which we will get into uh, in more depth a little later in the show. But, uh, my friend, we always start with the week that was. We always do start with the week that was. So thank you very much, John. Happy to be back here. Happy to talk about employment law. But let's talk about the week that was. As always, I like to start off with a couple of situations, a couple of cases that I've seen uh, that I think are going to be of interest to our our listeners. Uh, So these two situations are put in the categories of employers behaving badly. Nice. Uh, and, and, you know, really situation where employees should have known better, probably at, acted not just illegally but un- unethically. Uh, so uh, let, let's, let's get started. And the first situation uh, dealt with the superintendent. And by the way, for some reason, John, I, I find that in terms of knowledge of employment law or lack thereof, mm-hmm. uh, condo corporations tend to be the worst for some reason. Worse than car dealers. Uh, worse than car wow. dealers. It's like the Wild West with them. <laughs> no, no, no kidding. Uh, and, and in this case, situation is no different. So my, my client, the person that I, I represented and resolved his case, uh, was a superintendent. He had worked for the same condo corporation for over 12 years. Mm-hmm. He lived in the building. Yep. So he was the super. So he, and, and it's, Very by the normal. way, if, if you don't know much about supers, I mean, that's a job that never really ends. You're yeah. always on call. You yeah. work nights, evenings, weekends, whenever you're needed. So and people know where to find you. Yeah, yeah, they know. <laughs> right. you're, you're apartment 3B. <laughs> you got it. So it, it's, it's really a, a tough job. And so what, what happened with this person uh, earlier this year, unfortunately, he was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, very serious uh, cancer, aggressive cancer that would have required uh, aggressive treatment. So because of that, because he was going to do... Um, uh, uh, radiation, etc. He was going to be unable to work for some period of time. So, what does his employer tell tell him as soon as he tells him that? Yeah, there may be days I'm not available. I'm going to need some some accommodation here. Well, you have till the end of the month, so you have two weeks to uh, uh, move out of this apartment. We're going to call the cops if you don't, and you're out of here. No compensation, nothing. Nice try. Yeah. Well, nice I mean, people. you know what? Putting the law aside just for a second, no John. Kidding. I mean, God, that that's just such a wrong thing to do on a human level. Uh, and, and putting that aside again, uh, from a legal standpoint, that's completely and utterly illegal. Number one, uh, he has a right to his job. He can't lose his job because he has a medical condition. That's a human rights violation. Mm-hmm. Even if they could let him go, which they can't, they owe him notice or severance. For sure. So they cannot kick him out of his apartment. They owe him severance for the 12 years that he's worked there. And, and for the superintendent, because the apartment that he lived in was part of his compensation, they have to continue providing that or equivalent value for the severance period. Right. So if the severance period is 12 months, they have to either let, let him stay in the apartment or pay him what it would cost to rent an apartment for that period of time. So this employer really did everything wrong. And I'm pretty sure as soon as I, I got involved and they hired a lawyer, their lawyer's first words to them were, what the heck were you thinking? Exactly. Uh, so a very, very tough situation. But the good news is, uh, number one, he's actually apparently doing better uh, medically, but we resolved his case on very, very good terms. And I'm pretty sure that's an employer that's never going to do something like that again. It, it, it never, and we talk about this with, with Savan, with, uh, with injury law, you know, and that is the fact that it never helps people's treatment, the stress of having this on top of them. That, that's not going to help no, your health. It, it's not right? going to help a, at all. And, but 
you know, the other flip side of that is think how badly this company has acted. How do mm-hmm. you think they would look to a judge? I mean, if this, if I'm the company, I would pay anything to avoid going in front of oh, a judge. Absolutely. They're going to they're get crucified. So on that basis, they paid what they had to pay and then some uh, terrible conduct. But a lot of superintendents may be in that situation where they lose their job. They're told to vacate right away. And that is actually illegal, John. They're entitled to notice or severance as well as to the right to continue living in that apartment. Got a couple minutes left. Uh, what's the second situation? Second situation, uh, something that we, we've seen more often even here on the show, uh, a, a woman, my client, was coming back from maternity leave and found out right uh, a couple of days before she was coming back that she doesn't have a job. Her employer told her, listen, we just eliminated the position. Nothing to do with your mat leave, so you don't have a job. She believed it, never thought anything of it, and didn't actually contact me. So she did what a reasonable person would do and started looking for another job. She has to support her family. Yep. In doing that, she found a posting online for her job wow. with this company. So pretty uh, pretty nasty thing to do and pretty kind of uh, lame actually so what she did immediately at that point she contacted me and said mm-hmm. can they do this the answer of course john is they cannot do this when you're on mat leave you have a right to your job back uh and and if they don't do that that's a violation of the employment standards act and the human rights code and not only that when i spoke to her i also found out that those issues aside they actually offered her very very bad severance so we also resolved this case don't fire a woman that's coming back from mat leave on the basis that there's no job and then turn around and post for that job. Yeah. That's going to get you every time. We're going to take a short break. The number is uh, 1-855-821-5900. That's Lior's direct number. You can go to Lior at employmenthour.com from email and check out severancepaycalculator.com. We'll pick up where we left off talking about medical leaves and uh, LTD long-term disability coverage when it's denied and stuff under that uh, particular umbrella. The Employment Hour continues on, on Talk Radio AM640 and AM900 CHML. And the number outside of show hours to get hold of Lior, you need him is one 821 5900 and you can email Lior at employmenthour.com. I want to talk a bit about uh, where we uh, started to get into and that is talking about metal, medical leaves from work when disability coverage, LTD, is denied. I'll start with this. So uh, what should an employee uh, do, for uh, example, with respect to their employee uh, employer, pardon me, if LTD is denied? Yeah, and you know, the reason I wanted to talk about this issue, this keeps coming up again and again in my practice, John where employers confuse an employee's entitlement to LTD with their right, with the employee's right to uh, have a medical leave of absence. Those are different things, John. You may be denied disability coverage for reasons, whether the reasons are legitimate or not, but that has nothing to do with your ability to have time off from work because of an injury. Ultimately, uh, to get time off uh, from work, not just for an injury, for any medical condition, you don't need to qualify for disability coverage. All you need is to have a doctor saying in writing that you cannot work. If you have a doctor saying that in writing that you cannot work, that's all that you need. That may not be enough, by the way, John, to qualify for disability insurance. Uh, the insurance company, Manulife, Great Westlife, whoever they are, may need additional information, but that's a separate issue. To get a medical leave of absence, I can't work. I don't want you to fire me. I just need to be off work until I'm better. All I need to do is to provide you with the doctor's letter saying, I'm, your, I'm Lior's doctor. I've examined Lior. Lior cannot work. That's it. And a lot of employers may say, wait a second, you got denied disability. Therefore, you, you have to come back to work. And if you don't, we fire you. And that is wrong. You basically say, yeah, the, the fact that I was denied disability is my problem, but the, your problem is that I've got a doctor's note and I don't have to work, Yeah, right? exactly, as long as a doctor is saying that. And those are separate things. And here's an example that I, I've used. 
What if the insurance company says, to qualify for disability employee, you have to provide us notes on a blue piece of paper? So under the policy, if it's not on a blue piece of paper, we can deny you. But that doesn't mean that because you don't have a blue piece of paper, you don't get a medical leave of absence from your employer. Right. You qualify for an insurance policy under the terms of the policy. That's separate from your employment. And I cannot tell you how many huge employers, major corporations Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, because I've dealt with it recently, get this wrong. And I had a case very recently where a huge, a major, major corporation uh, had an employee that was off on disability. He got denied LTD, and he was fighting the insurance company uh, on that issue. Actually, my, my, my partner, Sivan Tamarkin, is working with him on that. And the employer, the company, says, well, he got denied uh, disability, so you, sh- you should be coming to work. If you don't come back to work by Monday, we'll assume you've resigned. That's nonsense. Not at all, because he had provided a doctor's letter to the employer saying he cannot work, and that's all that really matters. Mutually exclusive, both of them. Absolutely, separate and apart. So how long can an employer be on medical leave of absence? An employee can be on a medical leave of absence until a doctor says they can come back to work. For for some people, that could be uh, days, some people weeks, months, can even be years. Uh, As long as it's a legitimate absence backed up by a doctor's note, an employee can be on a medical leave of absence, and the employer employers can't really let them go because of the absence. Now, the employer may say, listen, we've shut down this department, so there's no more employees, so we're going to let you go. They have to pay severance. That would be legal because the termination has nothing to do with the disability. But they can be on disability up until uh, the doctor says otherwise. Now, as, as we've talked about on the show before, when the absence is very, very long, usually a couple of years or more, mm-hmm. and where there's a, a doctor's letter still saying after a couple of years, I still don't know if this person can ever get back to work, at that point, the employer may say, okay, enough is enough. Now it becomes a frustration of contract. We can end the relationship right now, and we don't have to keep the job open for you. But you need a very long absence for that and a doctor to be still saying you can't come back to work in the foreseeable future. When the company does that, does the employer get anything as far as severance or anything else? The, if the employer terminates employment because of frustration yeah. of contract, the employee still gets their minimum entitlements okay. to termination and severance pay. So not their full severance. Right. They would get either a week or two weeks pay per year of service depending on the size of the company. So you, you won't get your maximum severance. We don't look at that point at your age, length of employment and position, but you still get your minimum severance. So very important to understand the because for some people, that could be as much as eight months' pay. Uh, and, and if you, you're let go because of frustration, you still have to get that. one 821 5900 to reach us. We'll get to some emails here in uh, just a little bit. So if an employer tells an employee, look, uh, you know, you got to go back to work uh, before the employee is ready, what recourse? What, what, what does the employee do? Well, the first thing I would do if I was the employee, if I was advising the employee, is reiterate to them that they're off as per doctor's orders and if they need anything else from the doctor to, to let the employee know. The employee may even want to go back to the doctor and provide them with a note uh, saying that I've again uh, examined uh, so-and-so and he still cannot work. So you want to provide the employer with up-to-date information. If the employer still says, well, too bad, we're listening to the insurance company, Manulife is telling us you can't, you, you, uh, you're not uh, qualifying for disability, at that point that becomes a wrongful dismissal, potentially a human rights issue, and that person needs to call me right away. Uh, waiting is not an option here. I want to get into the uh, doctor conversation a little bit when we come back. We'll take a break. one 821 5900 Lior's number, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. More of the Employment Hour coming right up. 
on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Contact is very simple. Lior's direct number 1-855-821-5900. Keep that scribbled on a piece of paper or on your uh, cell phone at all times. Lior at employmenthour.com is the uh, email. I want to talk about, we're talking about doctors and doctor's notes being uh, pretty much a trump card in, in most cases, if not any case, for being off on long-term disability. What if the employer says, uh, you know what, we'd like a second opinion, we'd like to see you go see another doctor? Yeah, and, and that actually could happen in a situation where the employer may be getting conflicting information. Mm. For example, an insurance company may say that to the employer, as far as we're concerned, this person can work, and the uh, uh, employee's doctor says, no, the employee can't work. If, really there's con- if there is conflicting information, it's not unreasonable for an employer to ask for an independent medical examination. Independent, the key word. Independent being the key word, although how independent is it when the employer is probably going to pay the bill? <laughs> exactly. But, uh, usually what I say in that situation, if there is conflicting information, as long as what the employer is asking is not unreasonable, I, I would tell the employee to cooperate. The problem mm-hmm. with not cooperating is the employ- it may give the employer an excuse to say, well, there's conflicting information. You're not cooperating, so we're going to end the relationship. You could have cooperated to help us get that information. So that, now that would be very rare. Right. It really Because in most cases, the insurance company is not necessarily going to share medical information with the employer. All they're going to say is, he doesn't qualify for disability. They're not going to say why. But if there is conflicting medical information, and only if there is, at that point, it's not unreasonable for the employee to say yes. And if they don't, they could be a prob- in, in trouble. But what I say to, to employees, or I'm going to say to our listeners right now, if you're in that situation yeah. right now, if your employer is asking you to do that, before you say yes or no, give me a call. And I can help you determine if this is a case where you should be saying yes or not. Because generally, you probably comply. Generally speaking, I mean, it's only in extreme situations, frankly. So usually, unless there really is clearly conflicting medical information, I'm going to say to the employee to say no. It's not reasonable, and the employer can't really do anything about it. Is there any difference when uh, WSIB is involved? Uh, Really, the same principles apply. So you may have been injured at work, and you may apply for WSIB coverage, uh, and you may get approved, you may not get approved, uh, and the fact that you didn't get approved does not mean that you can come back to work. It does not mean that the employer can say, well, wait a second, employee, you got uh, denied by WSIB, you have to come back to work. Yeah. That's not the case. As long as you have a doctor's note saying you cannot work, uh, that's all that, that's needed. There could be a 100 reasons why you got denied WSIB coverage, or maybe WSIB got it wrong. That's why there's an appeal process. Right. That does not mean that an employer can make you go to work. So remember that. Always keep separate. Disability entitlements, insurance, WSIB are separate from your right to have a medical leave of absence from work. one 855 employmenthour.com is the email. We'll get to one actually right now before we move on to uh, different things. Uh, this one will go to Nicole. Says, uh, my employer fired me for theft, which I didn't do. The employer also refused to give me any proof. What can I do? Yeah, and, you know, I actually get uh, emails like that or calls saying, well, the employer let me go and uh, for, for theft, and no proof was given to me that I did it. Well, I don't really care about proof. I care if, whether you did it or not. If you did it, whether the employer has proof or not right now, you're screwed. If you didn't do really, it... Really, eh? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to defend someone or start a claim on behalf of someone right. that I know stole from their employer. Right, gotcha. I mean, it's just not going to happen. But if you didn't do it, uh, then yeah, that's, that's something that it's illegal. It's a wrongful dismissal. The employer is alleging cause for no reason, no basis. 
And usually that's actually going to, it's going to be fairly easy to resolve because we're going to contact the employer and say, show us the money, show us the proof. And if you didn't do it, there's not going to be any proof. Right. And if there's no proof, that's a wrongful dismissal with a cherry on top. So because of that, what I'm going to advise this uh, listeners that just emailed us, give me a call. Let me find out why they're saying how the employer may believe you've, uh, you've stolen. I'll contact that employer and I'll be able to resolve the case. We'll get to uh, another email here in just a bit. I want to do this. This is a part of the show I know everybody loves, and we'll do it again this week. And this is clarifying misconceptions with respect to severance. And yeah. so you, you must get some of these in your office all the time, you know, right? And, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating to me sometimes because there's so many misconceptions. Yeah. Most of the time when someone calls me, uh, they, they say, Leora, you know, my employer let me go and – they uh, they didn't give me my week per year of service. How wh- how what do I do to get the week per year of service? I'm they like, assume that's yeah, right. Yeah. Forget about this week per year of service. That's not even close. So I think it's always a good idea. We've done this before, but I think we need to do it again because we we always have new listeners and people are learning new things. Talking about the biggest misconceptions, people think things that people believe are right that are just wrong. Well, we'll get to a list you started to compile here over the years. And uh, number one is you have to work at least five years to get severance. Yeah, and, and <laughs> you, you're going to look online and maybe the Ministry of Labor's website and they say to get severance, you have to work more than five years. Otherwise, you don't. That's wrong. That's confusing. Well, it's just blatantly wrong. That may, may be true for, for your minimum entitlements, but for the most part, without complicating this, John, it's just wrong. Any employee is entitled to severance based on their age, length of employment, and position. And what I mean by severance is compensation resulting from the termination of employment, okay? doesn't matter you call it termination pay, notice pay, pay in lieu of notice, or severance. That's what I'm talking about. So when I use severance, I'm talking about that compensation, and every employee gets it, and it's not a week for every year of service or any other amount like that. It really is an individual assessment based on age, position, length of employment. one 821 5900 com. We'll take a short break. Lots more of the show coming up. We'll get to more of our misconceptions with respect to severance right here on the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Contact is very simple. one 821 5900 And anytime you're online, check out severancepaycalculator.com as well. We'll get to that here in just a bit. We were talking about and are talking about uh, misconceptions with respect to severance. How about this? The company has to have a payroll of two and a half million or over. Yeah, exactly. And the same people that are confused about the whole five-year issue are going to go online on the same page, see, wait a second, for me to get severance, I need to work for an employer with a a larger payroll, more than two and a half million. The same thing that I said before about the five years, wrong, wrong, wrong. Mm. In fact, not only do you get severance, you're going to get the same amount of severance whether you work for a company with a $100,000 payroll or a $100 million payroll. You're still going to get the exact same amount of severance as long as your age, length of employment, and position are the same. So uh, the size of the payroll for the most part for – well, for every part, for every situation, is irrelevant. So that's a misconception that's wrong. So if you lost your job and you wonder, wait a second, do I get severance? Don't wonder anymore. The answer is yes, you get severance. Doesn't matter if it's a small company. Doesn't matter if you work for less than five years. Many, many of my clients have worked only for a few months. And depending on their uh, uh, position and age, they could be owed a few months severance, even though they only work for a mm-hmm. few months. Because we've heard that on the show, people call in, you know, work for these little mom and pop shops, right? Yeah. So, no, I'm small, I don't have to pay you severance. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's wrong, wrong. Yeah. And it happens, by the way, often in a doctor's office. Yeah. Uh, so, it doesn't matter. Small company, big company, same amount of severance. Severance misconceptions on the show right now. When you're let go, you get one or maybe two weeks for every year of service. I'm tired of this one. Yeah. No, I, I'm tired of it as well. And I, I get that all the time. So, 
Uh, again, I'm not going to spend too much time because some people may be sick of me saying this, but it's, it's true. There's no one week per year of service rule or two weeks per year of service or three and a half per month. None of that applies. There's no linear connection such as this. Uh, your entitlements are based on three factors, the age, uh, the, your age, length of employment and position, the longer you work, the older you are, the more senior position you have, the more severance is owed to you. So I can't tell you if you get a month for every year or, or, or less because I need to know those factors. Mm-hmm. So a good place to go to start, you can call me. The other place to go is severancepaycalculator.com. You enter that information, age, position, and length of employment, and it's going to tell you right there in plain English, plain numbers, how many months of severance you get. And it's not a week per year of service. It's not two weeks. For 98% of people, it's going to be a lot higher than that. one 821 5900 is Lior's number anytime. Lior at employmenthour.com. Got Sean wrote in, says, uh, I found an envelope with money in the store where I work. Nice. I took it to the police and left it with them. My employer told me I should have taken it to the store owner, and I got fired. Can they do this? Well, you know, interesting. Uh, I mean, ultimately, uh, I, I guess the employer consider that to be a, some sort of a breach of policy. We have a policy that uh, anything you find has to go to the store owner and he or she deals with that. Mm-hmm. So to the extent that what this uh, individual did is a breach of policy, maybe, again, I don't even know if their policy like that is existing in that store, it's certainly not enough to be cause for termination. Not at all. He did the right thing in the sense he didn't steal the money or, or pocket the money. He took it to the police. So this is not the type of misconduct that would allow them to let him go for cause. So if he has been let go for cause and if he has not been paid his severance, that is a wrongful dismissal. And again, depending on his age, position, length of employment, he could be owed significant compensation. So he definitely needs to give me a call. We've been talking about the misconceptions with respect to severance. Uh, If you are, quote unquote, fired as opposed to, quote unquote, laid off, then you don't get severance. Yeah, and a huge, huge misconception. People always think there's a distinction between being fired, being laid off. There really isn't. It's, they're all terminations. Right. The only distinction is between a termination for cause and a termination without cause. So those, those terms are not the right terms, fired, laid off. Uh, and all that means, if you let go for cause, that means you've done something awful, something terrible, something that's so bad that the employer cannot conceive of continuing to employ you. In that situation, you don't get severance. Anything short of that, anything short of that is a termination without cause. So maybe you've done something wrong, John, maybe a few things wrong, and God knows that you probably have. Oh, uh, list is as long as my arm. Right. But despite all the things that I know you did wrong, John, it, it, it does not rise to the level of cause uh, because cause is a very, very high threshold. Look at it as, as you know, like capital punishment. Mm-hmm. We may have people that have done things wrong, maybe people that deserve some sort of a punishment, but do they deserve the worst possible punishment? And the same thing applies uh, in a termination for cause. And, and most employers that terminate for cause, I find, pull the trigger way before they should. We talked on this, or at least we touched on this a little while ago, but we'll go over a little bit here again. Short service employees get very little severance. Yeah, again, another misconception. Well, I only work for a company for a year. Maybe I get a week's pay if I'm lucky, maybe a couple of weeks if I'm really lucky. Yep. Nonsense. It's, it's not only not true, the opposite is true. Short service employees are treated disproportionately better than longer service employees. Just because you work somewhere for a short period of time doesn't mean you're going to take less time to find another job. In fact, it may take you longer. So we often see uh, short service employees, you know, with three or four years or less, so somewhere between one to three years, 
that may be getting several months severance, even though they only work for a year or two. Uh, so you may have worked for a year. If you're the plant manager and you're 50 years old, you could easily be entitled to six months severance right there. We'll take a quick break. You want to contact one 821 5900 That's Lior's direct number at 24-7. And email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show coming up right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Get to a, a few more talking points about the misconceptions of severance. A couple more emails as well before we uh, wrap it up at the, uh, the top of the hour. How about being on contract? If you're on contract, you don't get severance. How's yeah. that for misconception? Yeah, no, it's, it's the whole concept of being on contract is actually meaningless because hmm. it, it considers the fact that you're, you may be uh, in a different legal situation just because the way you call yourself or the way someone calls you. When I hear someone is on contract, what I understand that to mean is they're independent contractors. Well, to be an independent contractor, you have to meet certain criteria. And if you're, you and your employer agree that you're a quote-unquote on contract, that does not make you an independent contractor. An independent contractor is in business for, for themselves. They, they pay their own expenses. They don't usually work full-time. They have several clients. They don't uh, work from the employer's offices. They don't have employer, the employer's business cards. That's what an independent contractor is. So you may consider yourself to be on contract, quote unquote, or the employer may, or the company may consider you to be on contract, but in the eyes of the law, you may well be an employee. And in that situation, you get the exact same severance as any other employee. So please don't assume just because you've been calling yourself or you believe you're on contract, you don't get severance, you, you don't get compensation. Uh, the, the, you, in most cases, I say in eight or nine out of 10 cases, when someone is quote unquote on contract, they're really employees and they get severance. So if you're on contract, if you lost your job, you give me a call and I'll assess whether you're in a severance situation and most of you are going to be in that situation. How about those people that are on contract, say you, you've been hired for a year and you're six months in? five months in, and uh, they want to sever ties. Then what happens? That's actually an uh, interesting, great question. If you're on a one-year contract, using your example, and the, the company, uh, let's assume you're legitimately an independent contractor. Uh, the company wants to sever ties early. They still have to pay you the balance of that contract unless the contract itself says we, we're hiring you for a year, but if we want to end, you, end the relationship before then, we can do that on a week's notice. If that's what the contract says, and assuming you're really on contract properly, that's all the company has to do. But if the company simply agrees with you that you're hired for a year and they want to let you go after three months, guess what? They have to pay you for the balance of the nine months. The number to get a hold of is one 821 5900 Lior at com. How about this one? I'm sure this is the reason why, hopefully not after we have this conversation, but people are a little reticent to, uh, to call you. That is, if you try to get severance, uh, you're going to get burned bridges with your former employer. Yeah, and you know, You're scared I, to go against them, right? Yeah, you, and you think, wait a second. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to you know, get blackballed in the industry? Uh, people are going to know you went after your former employer. No one's going to hire me. Well, first of all, uh, my, my approach to these things, when someone calls me and they have inadequate severance, and like I said, I... I uh, we literally have a couple hundred people a week calling our office uh, and with that situation. Our view usually is not to go in like crazy uh, people in there and then like bull in a china shop making all kinds of threats and nasty mm-hmm. uh, uh, letters to your employer. I'm going to be very professional. I'm going to outline my view to your employer and saying here's you know what I think uh, John is entitled to and here's why. And let's resolve this quickly and amicably. In most cases, in almost every case, that's not going to burn a bridge. Uh, that's not going to be something that upsets your employer. And here's, the, here's the, the secret that many people may not appreciate. In most cases, 
when an employer provides inadequate severance, the employer knows it's inadequate. Mm-hmm. The employer understands that. They just hope that they you know, uh, get the employee to accept it. So when you go back to the employer with your uh, legal representative and say, hey, I know that uh, I'm owed more severance, they're not going to be shocked. They're like, okay, yeah, he is he does get more severance. He figured it out. He figured it out, so let's pay it. So you're not going to burn any bridges. And if the law says you should have a certain amount of money, a certain amount of severance, you should never feel bad for pursuing that. You should never feel bad for going after what the law says you should have, ever. Let's talk about common situations, and I've talked to this uh, to you personally, actually, off air several times. That is uh, doctor's offices. Right. We'll talk about uh, you know what usually happens at a doctor's office when a doctor retires or sells a practice. What does it mean to the employees? Uh, what are the obligations? Yeah, and you know we talked at the top of the show about uh, condominium corporations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being notorious for lack of knowledge in employment law. Doctors, by the way, are, are a close second, uh, notoriously lacking in knowledge in employment law. Usually, it's a it's a fairly simple operation from a business standpoint. There's a doctor with a, uh, an, an assistant, a nurse, etc., cetera, uh, and, and, and that's it. So in most of these cases, and it's very common with doctors, a doctor may sell the practice, a doctor may retire and then sell the practice, mm-hmm. and the question is, what happens with these employees? Well, it's, it's, it's quite simple, John. Ultimately, if the employees are losing their job as a result of this transaction, uh, the, the, either the doctor retiring or the doctor selling the practice, those employees are entitled to full severance based on their age, position, length of employment. Oftentimes, we'll see people that have worked at the doctor's office for 10 years, 15, 20, 30 years. You bet. Uh, and they could get as much as two years' pay. And the, the doctor may think, oh, I only owe the employee eight weeks' pay and that's it. That's wrong, as we've said. That's one of the misconceptions. So if you're working in a doctor's office, the doctor's office is closing or selling, and you're not going to have a job with the, with the one buying the practice, mm-hmm. you get your full severance. You go to severancepaycalculator.com to find out how much, or you give me a call. We'll continue with that conversation about doctors. Uh, 1-855-821-5900 is Lior's direct number, Lior at employmenthour.com. More of the show coming up, the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. You need to contact Lior outside of the show. You can do that. 1-855-821-5900 is direct number and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to another email here before we uh, wrap it for today. One or two, want to continue with this conversation. We got into the uh, the doctor uh, doctor's office. Uh, practice and stuff like that when they retire, maybe sell the business. So the doctor is going to retire. You've been there for 25 years. Chances are you'll get somewhere around two-year severance. That's fine. What if the practice is sold? A, um, as an employee, whether you're a secretarial or a nurse or an assistant, you don't want to continue with this new doctor for whatever reason. Or B, if you do continue with the new doctor, you can answer the second, is your years of employment still, you know, above board? And a very common situation with doctors, as I said, they sell the practice, so a new doctor uh, comes and takes over the practice. Mm-hmm. So if you're offered a job, uh, you have, first of all, the right to continue in that job and, and accept it. If that's what you do, you decide to continue with the buyer, your employment is not terminate, terminated, and it's deemed continuous, which means the new company generally inherits your service. So if the, if the new doctor uh, takes you on and a year later that new doctor lets you go, then when we calculate your severance, we're going to look at all your years of history, including with the previous doctor. So gotcha. that's easy. Now, what happens if the job that you've been offered with the new doctor, maybe it's not a very attractive job. Maybe it's, they want to make you part-time or reduce your pay. Or, or, or move you, the office or move something. Move the office right? or yeah. give you different duties. We're going to sure. take you from being an assistant to being a receptionist, whatever it is. Uh, in that situation, you don't have to accept that offer, that new job offer, which means your employment is terminated with the old doctor, the doctor selling the business, 
And that doctor has to pay you your full, complete severance, which absolutely could be as much as two years' pay. So that's, again, easy. If you, there's a job offer in front of you that you don't want to accept for a very good reason, then you get your full severance. But what happens if there's a job offer that's reasonable in front of you with the, with the buyer? You just don't want to accept that anyway. Right, maybe right. you're going to retire. Maybe you're just going to look for work elsewhere. In that case, you still get severance, except you're not going to get your full severance. It's going to be only your minimum severance, which could be only a week's pay for every year of service. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't get your full severance. It's never going to be two years' pay. It could be as little as a few weeks' pay. But you still get that severance, even if you decide not to accept an otherwise reasonable job offer. Let's get to a couple emails here. Elizabeth says, great show, guys. Obviously talking about you. Uh, Thank you. I was just told uh, that I need to take a transfer to the U.S. with my company. I'm interested in doing that, but is there anything I need to protect myself? Great question, actually. Uh, Now, first of all, she says she's interested. If she wasn't interested, she certainly could treat that as a constructive dismissal. She said, no, I'm not going to move to the States. It's a big relocation. A huge relocation. (laughs) So I'm not going to do that. You, employer, have to pay me severance. That's a constructive dismissal. But that's not her situation. She wants to accept it. So here's what I'm going to say to her is if she's going to move to the U.S., she does not want U.S. laws to govern her employment. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say they move her to California. California is very nice. You may have a great time. Oh, you know, wine country. Wine, wine country. I'm in. Go to the beach, etc. Oh. But then she's let go. Employment schmoyment. Yeah, I know. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, right. But let's say she, she's yep. let go then and then say, well, you know, you're in California, so California laws are going to apply. Guess what? Instead of getting her full severance as it would be in Ontario, she's going to get a, a pat on the back and maybe a handshake, essentially. Yeah, and a ham. A nice yeah. ham, though. Yeah. So the, the, the effect of that is she wants to make sure that the laws of Ontario are going to continue to apply to this transfer. The laws of Ontario, as it relates to employment law, are always going to be far more generous for an employee than the law of virtually any state in, in, in the U.S. Is that right? Always. So you don't want the laws of Michigan, California, New York, whatever the state is, apply to you. That By doing that, you wow. would at some point give up potentially tens of thousands of dollars that you're owed. So the main thing I'll say is enter into an agreement that's going to make it clear that you're accepting this transfer, but the laws of Ontario are going to continue govern, governing your employment. You do that, that's the best protection you can have. And she can legally do that, even though say she's there for 15 years getting paid in American dollars, American rent, American Absolutely. mortgage. She's yep. still underneath if she wants to. As or long as there's an it. agreement with the employer signed by the parties that's saying laws of Ontario uh, uh, Ontario wow. are going to apply. Absolutely. They can agree that the laws of Timbuktu will apply. As long as it's in writing, that's all that matters. Hector says, I was just let go and I'm negotiating my severance. My employer won't pay me any bonus as part of the severance because they say it's discretionary. Are they right? <laughs> you have no idea how many times I get this exact email or variations of it. Or they or, cancel or, or you right calls. before the bonuses come out. Yeah, right? nonsense. So if you get a bonus every year, you count that, that as part of your compensation. It's not discretionary. Even though in theory it could be, if it becomes a regular part of your compensation, it's not discretionary. So if you're let go, the bonus has to be included as part of your compensation. The employer can't then say it's discretionary. So when you're let go, your severance should include everything. Your, your salary, your benefits, your bonus, your car allowance, your stock options, your pension, absolutely everything. Because you're expecting it at that point. Yeah, that's part of your compensation. You're like Chevy Chase on Christmas vacation. They canceled bonuses this year. How so, nasty was that? No pool for you. <laughs> Nothing. No. Let's uh, wrap up the final minute here with Severance Pay Calculator. Take it home. That's right. You, you, if you lost your job or worried about losing your job, you know someone that lost your job or just ever wanted to know what would happen if that, uh, that were to be you, 
Go to severancepaycalculator.com. The only way to find out how much severance you're actually entitled, other, other than talking to me, mm-hmm. severancepaycalculator.com. Be one of 150,000 people that have used it. Happy to talk, happy to answer questions. It's a great tool. In the meantime, the number to get hold of Lior, one 821 And you can email him as well, Lior at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.